Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Acts chapter 8, starting verse 26 says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian. Speaking of Philip, the Lord is speaking to Philip. So he started out on his way, met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Kandike, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I unless somebody explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This passage of scripture the eunuch was reading out of Isaiah, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. In other words, he denied himself. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Everybody say, "Stop stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Like, how cool is that? Like, Philip's there, gone. Spirit took Philip away. And it said, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I want to speak to you around this idea. I've just entitled the message, Follow. You could put, follow me. You could put follow Jesus at the end of that, but I just entitled it follow. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we dive into your word, I pray that you would open up our hearts to the beauty and the reality of your precious son. Lord, I pray that you would change us from the inside out. Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak to each person where they're at. Lord, I ask that this message in particular would speak, God, across many fields, many heart fields today, and that they would trust what you're doing in their life and know that they can follow you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, 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 and amen. Well, the word follow is used quite a bit in the New Testament, over 20 times, where Jesus calls us, both believers and unbelievers, to follow him. Like the unbeliever, he invites them to say, hey, come and taste and see that I'm good. Like, like, come and experience how life is really best lived. And, and for us followers of Jesus, he, he's constantly reminding us, hey, hey, follow me. Hey, follow me. But I think today, follow means something a little bit different than it did back then. 
And, and I think we've kind of adopted an understanding of follow without even realizing we've adopted a new idea of follow. Um, and it's really hard not to, as you can see on the screen, not to highlight social media when you talk about this reality of follow. I think it it means something different in our day than it meant in Jesus's day. And so we, we naturally gravitate toward the reality of social media. And, and social media, this is just a, a couple of them, right? Twitter kind of kicked off the pathway of jump into my stream. You can follow me. You can kind of see what's going on. You can kind of see what we're doing. And then we see on Instagram, it's like my favorite Kanye Corso on the planet. Um, what am I doing? I'm following uh, Benny the Corso, right? And then we have Fountain Church over here on TikTok. So you can see, you can follow back. I unfollowed him and then I followed him just because I was trying to make an illustration. Uh, then you got Pastor James over here on Facebook. And, uh, and, and you can be friends. So even Facebook is trying to adopt more of the fan page or the follow idea, but you can be friends with people, right? You can befriend them, you can unfriend them, you can like, you can dislike. And so our, the way that we understand follow, it's kind of like if it appeals to us, if it adds value to us, we can like it. And then if we change our mind, we can unlike it. If we love you as a friend, we can follow you. If we don't like you anymore, we can block you. Um, we can unfriend you. We can even hide the fact that I just don't want to see your content. But I don't want you to know because I don't want to be that guy, so I'll just hide the scroll. And you'll think it's good unless you really do some homework. You'll know that, that, that people aren't really following you anymore, but they don't want to tell you because we don't have a relationship like that anymore because we can't talk to people and be honest and real. And so you get to kind of pick what you like and what you don't like. So I did a little experiment. Um, this is me and my family on my Instagram. And uh, in just a couple of days, we're so popular, right? What did we get? We got 242 <laughs> likes. I'm just throwing up my Instagram. If you want to follow me, I'm mad. No, I'm just kidding. So cheesy. But we got 40, 242 likes in like two days. And we got 35 comments. So I thought, oh, man, that's sweet. Special thanks for all the love. Not trying to brag. Just trying to say we love you. We appreciate you love us. But then I posted a scripture. Then he said to the crowd, if anybody wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what would it benefit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Shout out to Michelle. Michelle is sweets for days. She liked it. <laughs> Michelle liked it. There you go, wherever you're at. 21 others. I threw a little praying hand sign, but no comments. It didn't stop the scroll. People are like, oh, oh, it's a scripture. Oh, scripture. Oh, it's scripture. Oh, it's scripture. And so, so Facebook, we just have this idea where we can like, we can unlike, we can friend, we can unfriend. And we have to be super careful that we are not following Jesus like we follow others. Not in this day. We, we got we, we to gotta stop the scroll. We got to take a moment. We got to stop. The scroll because nowadays if it doesn't catch your eye if you're not interested what do you do you just keep it moving but we don't get that luxury as we follow Jesus in fact I would say this we can end up following Jesus out of convenience rather than conviction like if I like it if it feels good if it resonates with me then then I'm good if I agree rather than I am utterly persuaded and fully convinced 
with deep convictions that God's way is best. So every time God posts, I like it, I comment, and I obey it, right? Like that's a conviction. Because sometimes we can even follow him where we'll like and we'll post like, oh, so good. But then we don't live it. As Pastor Lawrence so eloquently said, <laughs> we could be way more learned than we are lived. And so we got, we got to make sure that we're not falling down this slippery slope. That every time he posts, every time that we, we gain a, or garner a passage of scripture, like we got to lean into that because he's worthy of all of the above. He's worthy of it all. In fact, I would say it like this. Jesus was never meant to be an option in your life, but the love of your life and love changes everything. Can I tell you, love changes how you follow. Because you can follow, but like a begrudging follow. Anybody been there? Sometimes, sometimes you got to lean in. I get it. It's a sacrifice. But that shouldn't be the rhythm. In fact, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says it this way. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Wow. Like God's commands were never meant to be an option, but they were all also never meant to be a burden. They were meant to be obeyed. But obeyed from a heart of love, a, a, a heart of gratitude, not a heart of convenience, but an obedience out of conviction that we realize that a lot is on the line when we pass that post, when we keep scrolling and look for one or a passage of scripture that resonates a little bit more than what we want to deal with in our life. And so I think a lot of times when it comes to following Jesus, we just don't really realize what's at stake. And so we can't really see what's after the obedience. Let me give you an example. Why would God tell us the next step when we haven't even responded to the, what he's already spoken to us? Like he's already given us clear instruction, but we want what's next next, but we don't want what's next. That's a little bit confusing, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a confusing morning today, but it's okay. We're in church. It's Sunday. <laughs> but let, me, let me paint a better picture for you. So there was, uh, before I met Jackie, there was a girl who really liked me. Kind of liked her a, li a little bit, babe, like a little bit. <laughs> But she loved Jesus. She had a great job. We were in Bible college together. I mean, everything screamed like, yes, this is, this is a good idea. But I really felt the Holy Spirit saying, no, she's not it. She's not the one. And at that time, all my friends outside of Pastor James were like, you know, getting married and all that stuff. Me and Pastor James were like the last two. And then I beat him to the punch. <laughs> oh. So we had like, a, like a, a bromance that broke up when Jackie came in the picture. I'm sorry, Pastor James. Still love you. Um, but I had no idea what was on the other side of that obedience. Like, like what if I would have just settled and just, you know, it would have been more convenient. But there was a conviction that said, no, 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 I, Lord, I don't know what's on the other side of this. But I'm so glad I stepped. I'm so glad I responded, but can I just, I promise you, it was, it was out of pure conviction that God, I just really sense that you're speaking to me. When we came here to Fountain, can I just tell you, it would have been far more convenient to stay where we were. It was way more comfortable, way more secure, but we had no idea what God had next and the lives that would be impacted with the gospel. 
And so many times, listen, the Lord is asking us to take a step. And, and when, we, when we came here, it was that conviction that pressed us through the fear, pressed us through the inconvenience. And, and there's a deep conviction because the one that we love, the one that we're following was asking us to go. And so, so when, when the one that you love is asking you to go, come on, you, you got to respond to that. So it wasn't this like tumultuous, fine, we'll go like a Jonah. It was just more so, man, Lord, like you're calling us, we're scared, but we have a deep conviction. We know your voice. It'd be more convenient for us to stay, but we're not going to do that. We're going to respond. And so, so maybe today God is calling you to a next step. God is calling you to a next step. Maybe it's time that you come out of isolation a little bit and you get connected to a small group. This is going to sound like a shameless plug for our church, and it kind of is, but I have you in mind very specifically to say, hey, that really may be a a real next step for you. We don't do small groups. If you show up to a small group, I don't get a point. God doesn't be like, dude, amazing. No, like the small groups are designed because we want you to grow. We want you to build Christ-centered community. The stories that come out of our small groups are life-changing. Because Christ is there, and, and so is his church. And so, so for some of you, you're sitting on enormous gifts, and God may be calling you to take a step, to jump on our serve team, go on mission with us, take a next step there. For some of you, it may be forgiveness. God is asking you to let go of some bitterness. God is asking you to forgive somebody. When's the last time that you just asked the Lord, hey, what do you think about this? Like, I know how I feel about it, but what do you, what do you think about this? For some of you, it's generosity. Like God is calling you to a, a greater level of generosity. And it could be any, you, you know what the Spirit of God is speaking to you, but can I just tell you, the stakes are high. Yeah. Like there's life on the other side of that obedience. But I, I want to I highlight one, one next step that God calls all of us to as followers of Jesus. And he calls all of us to take this next step. Can I just tell you, um, this step is not supposed to be birthed out of convenience, but of conviction, out of love. But it's been a little bit watered down, no pun intended. It's baptism. I mean, how often do we, like, preach about baptism? Right. We have baptism classes, and we have, you know, different things like that. But, but how often do we just talk about it from the pulpit? Because baptism has is, is, is always been about loving obedience, it's always been the next step after salvation. It's always been about loving obedience through and fueled by a conviction that, Lord, you're calling me to trust you. Not birthed out of convenience, but out of conviction. We see Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's part of our mission. And so some of you, you're sitting in church today, and you're just like, I never knew. Like, you knew that baptism was important, but you just didn't know how important. You knew that it was, had some significance, but you just maybe not, you just didn't know, like, does it really count, matter? Do I need to? Do I not need to? Like, what, what is the mystery behind baptism? Now, now some of you, you were in here, and, and you are a follower of Jesus, and you got baptized a long time ago, and you're like, oh, I'm checking out of this message. No, no, no. Because there's still a next step for you. And maybe that next step for you is to help somebody take a next step and understand how to articulate water baptism, why it's important. So I really want you to, to lean in today. Can, can, I, can you guys lean in with me today? All right, so, so some of you, you guys have known it was important. 
Some of you guys didn't know it was important. Some of you guys knew, but you just didn't understand the weight and the significance because we don't talk about it a ton in church. But could it be that God is taking or calling you to a next step if you have not been water baptized and you're following Jesus? Can I tell you, he is inviting you to take that step. And you don't know what's on the other side of that. Like God has clearly said after salvation, this is the next step. Baptism. And sometimes I know we we're like, we know, but is it really important? So let me just talk to you about baptism real quick. The word comes from the word baptizo, which literally means to wash, to plunge, or to submerge. It's, it it's really has no like awesome significance in the meaning. It's the same meaning as if you dipped a, a sponge or a rag into the water, you would submerge, you would plunge it as you're doing the dishes. Come on, gentlemen, you need to plunge that, that, that sponge a little more often during the week. You need to baptizo that sponge. And all the ladies said, amen. Come on. And so it, it really wasn't used in a religious way for a lot, a, a lot of this, for, I'm sorry, for, in this ancient culture, for the most part, it really wasn't used in a religious way. It really had no religious significance tied to it. In the New Testament, uh, we kind of see it used often, but it's not used as we would use it. To baptize somebody, it was used to wash, to plunge, to submerge. If people were going to eat, they would baptizo. They would just wash up before they would eat. They would baptize their hands. They would wash. They would plunge. And so we see that this, this word is transliterated uh, as baptism. The, the original word is baptizo, but it's transliterated as baptism. But it was very common. There wasn't, there wasn't like religious notions tied to it. Now, I think today it's a little bit different. I think today there's a lot of superstition tied to it, like superstition in the church. Like, like I, I want to get dunked in the water. I'm not following Jesus. I have no intention to follow Jesus, but I need to get in that water because it's going to protect me. Because I'm going to be right with God if I get into that water. Like, oh, yeah, just, just, I'm going to wash, maybe do it once a month. You know what I mean? Some parents are just like, to their kids, you're going to take a bath every last Sunday of the month. Right? So there, there's some, some uh, superstition tied to it now. A lot of parents want their kids to get baptized because it will almost make them feel more secure more safe, like my kid is going to be all right. There's, there's a, a lot of misconceptions around this reality. But originally, it just literally meant to wash, to plunge, to submerge. And it wasn't until later in the Old Testament and in this 400-year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament that it started to take on some ceremonial significance. Because Gentiles, non-Jews, were hearing about the God of Israel they were hearing the stories of all that God was doing, the one and true living God. So they were leaving their foreign lands. They were leaving their idols. They were making these huge, you know, expeditions to come and to meet the God of Israel. And so what they would do is, is they would go through some ceremonial procedures. And, and one of those procedures was baptism. It, it, was, it was a private moment, though. It wasn't a public moment. It was a private moment where they would, they would wash themselves. And they, and they kind of had this significance as I'm washing off all of the idols. I'm washing off the multiplicity of gods. I'm washing off all of the stuff to be devoted to the one true God, the God of Israel. 
And so, so you, you, they would go through the ceremonial process. And so, so w- w- once they were baptized, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm clean. I, I've let this go. I'm, I'm really trying to pursue the God of all creation. But it was a private moment as they were letting go of all of the junk, the idols. They were washing off all of that, and they were turning to the living God and saying, God, I want you. But now you fast forward 30 years from, uh, from Jesus' birth. Fast forward 30 years, and we find this man by the name of John the Baptist in the scriptures. He was a weird dude. He ate wild honey. He ate locusts. He lived in the desert. You know, everybody wants to live in the desert now. That's kind of cool. Um, he, he wore camel hair. I mean, design, like, you just kind of get this picture, like, maybe designer stuff. Um, <laughs> Because now people, they wear weird stuff, dude. You know what I mean? So I think like John would have fit in our culture just fine. Like you used to say, everybody used to say John the Baptist was weird. Not anymore. He's normal in our culture. But he was declaring people to repent. He was saying, listen, God is getting ready to do something big. The stakes are high. There's incredible things on the horizon. So get right with God. Trust him. Surrender to him. Trust his word. Trust his law. So John just started going in. And, and, and what was he doing? He was baptizing people. So they didn't really have a word for this, what John was doing, because it, it, like, there was no context to it. So they just called him John the Washer. John the Baptist. The, the one who would plunge people. Which was a little bit strange, because people were used to people baptizing privately, but not publicly. And so John was making this display so public because he wanted people to see the significance of what was happening. And people didn't know what was happening, but they knew something was happening. They knew that people were washing something off, not just dirt. And they were embracing something brand new. And so... So there was a little bit of confusion, and then all of a sudden, it gets even better. John is baptizing people, and on the banks of the Jordan, Jesus appears, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus comes and says, Hey, John, I need you to baptize me. John's like, I ain't baptizing you, bro. Jesus is like, you're going to baptize me. He's just like, right. So I, I, I would assume they have a wrestling match. He's like, I'm not even worthy to untie this man's sandals. Jesus wins. He gets baptized publicly and and Jesus knew all of this John wanted to baptize people publicly why because he wanted everyone to see the community to see he wanted people to know he wanted everybody to understand that these people are identifying I'm identifying my life with what John is saying and I'm, 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 I'm surrendering my life to the true and to the living God. And so, so, so here, Jesus is getting baptized. He knows that everybody is watching. And what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying simply this. Um, I'm identifying with, with, with what John is saying. But I'm not simply identifying with what John is saying. I'm fulfilling it. Wow. So everything that John is talking about, the Lamb of God, I'm it. The kingdom of God here, I'm here. Everything that John is declaring, the good news, whoo, Jesus is like, man, I am here. Because in just a few years, 
we're going to see that John's baptism was a precursor. It was pointing to a greater baptism. That he would go to the, Jesus would go to the cross, he would die, he would suffer, he'd be raised back to life. And now you and I can be both buried with him and alive in him, both in this life and in the next. Romans chapter 6 says it this way. What shall we then say? Or what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The Lord is saying, listen, after you believe in me, after you identify with me, you surrender your life to me, you receive that free gift of salvation, the next step is baptism. As we go under the water, we're letting everybody know that we are identifying with his death. As we come up out of the water, we are letting it be known that we are living a new life in Christ, empowered by the Spirit to live on this earth, baptizo. And so that gets us to, to our, our, our kind of landing text today in Acts chapter 8. Let me tell you a little bit about this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, now mind you, anybody ever done, anybody ever do one of those uh, escape rooms? Yeah. Like we always make it like at the very end. I think even one, maybe we didn't make it. We didn't make it on one, right? Yeah, we didn't make it. And, and, and the hard part is this, is if you miss a step, you can't jump ahead. It messes up all the other steps. And so I just wonder how many of you are sitting here today, you've never been water baptized. Love the Lord, receive the free gift of salvation, but have never been water baptized. I just wonder what's on the other side of that. Because it's not like, oh, there's, you know, again, I'm not going to attach this, you know, something weird to it. I'm just saying, why, why wouldn't you want to take that step of loving obedience? Because why would God reveal the rest? if we first haven't stepped into what's next. So this Ethiopian eunuch, if you guys uh, don't know what a eunuch is, let me give you an illustration uh, or a picture of it. An eunuch in this ancient culture was somebody that when you would apply to work with royalty or you would apply to work in a palace as a man where there is going to be women, you would make the ultimate sacrifice for your career you'd be castrated. How many of you guys know it'd be much, I'd much rather work in the fields. I would never work in the palace in this ancient culture, but there was a lot of benefits. You got a lot of money. You got a lot of comfort, a lot of convenience. And so this guy was a treasurer. So he had a lot of money, but he sacrificed for his career the most prominent thing he could ever do. Because in this ancient world, family was everything. Family identified who you are, uh, who you were. Family um, really was attached to your worth and your value, as dysfunctional as that is. It was true. So he sacrificed everything. The guy is making some money. He's living his best life, but something is wrong because he traveled a thousand miles through some of the toughest terrain, fighting off bandits, wild animals. Because there's an emptiness on the inside of him that he could not explain. And maybe the God of Israel, the stories that I've heard, maybe, maybe he's the answer. 
And so, so he's like, I got, I got to meet this God. I, I got to figure this out. And so we hear in Acts chapter 8, verse 29 and 31, the Spirit told Philip, aren't you grateful when the Spirit of God, listen, when the Spirit of God speaks to you, move. Because someone's on the other side of that. Or something's on the other side. He said, go to that chariot and stay near it. I mean, how do you, like, what a word from God. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading the Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Just get the picture in your mind. He's like, I'm sure chariots weren't going that fast, right? Philip asks, man, do you, do, you, do, you, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? So he invited Philip up to come and sit with him. You want to know what's so sad is this man would have traveled a thousand miles, and as a eunuch, he would not have been able to enter into the temple to worship. I don't even know if he would have known that. Showed up for church, and they're like, sorry, bro. You can't, you can't come in. There's Old, Test- there's Old Testament law regarding that. You can worship in the synagogue. You can worship from afar, but you, you can't come close. So I wonder if he just had an attitude. He was like, well, I'm rich. I'm going to go ahead and just buy me a scroll. Because it, it, was, it was expensive back then to, to purchase a scroll. So he wasn't able to get close. He purchased a scroll. He's, he's reading this out loud on the way back to his homeland. And all of a sudden, what happens? He's reading about Jesus, but he doesn't know it. Imagine traveling a 1,000 miles to church, and you still don't know about Jesus. May that never be said of us. We're going to preach Jesus um, Lord willing, until the day um, that I am no longer here, and then even if I'm no longer here, the next person is going to preach Jesus, and the next person, we will always preach Jesus in this place. How can you guarantee that? I just, I'm just guaranteeing that. I'm just saying right now, I just guarantee. And so, so, so get this picture. So he's inviting Philip up, and even though this eunuch might have been rejected at the temple, the prophet Jeremiah declares that, that if we seek the Lord with all of our heart, we will find him. He thought he was pursuing God, but God was really pursuing him. And so he invites Philip up, and he lets Philip know, hey, you got to go to this road. I need you to talk to this guy. And he's reading this passage. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. You talk about God's timing. Like, like the scroll of Isaiah, I mean, he could have been at any part, but he was on that part. And Philip's like, oh, this is like a layup. Do you even know what, like, who you're talking about? Well, let me, ju- let me just tell you. So Philip begins to preach the gospel to him. I think he might have preached or maybe piggybacked off of Peter's uh, pa- uh, little message in Acts chapter 2 where Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise for you and your children, and for all who are far off. And Peter goes on to preach this amazing message of the gospel, of the cross. Those who accepted his message were baptized. It just was, it was the next step. And about 3,000, can I just, I guarantee they got dunked in cold water. 3,000, they're not heating that water up. It's, it's, it's going to be cold, it's going to be freezing, it's not going to be convenient, but out of a deep, loving conviction. Like, who cares? And so the, this, this eunuch is seeing now the beauty of Jesus. He's hearing the gospel for the very first time. It's penetrating his heart. It's all starting to make sense. Everything he's been longing for, searching for, waiting for, realizing for the, for the first time in his life that, oh, my goodness, the God of Israel is not an option. Like, why would he ever be an option? And he begins to fall in love with the God of Israel. 
begins to fall in love with the person of Jesus as he's hearing he was denied for me? Like this is for me? He was slaughtered for me? He can't be an option in my life. He has to be the love of my life. See, this moment wasn't a, come on, get baptized. Philip didn't even have to spur that on. He was just declaring, and what happened? This is as they rode, they came across some water. Water. Let me just get this, give you this picture. It might have been a puddle, a little hole in the dirt. It doesn't say there was a river. It just says there's some water. And this guy is wealthy. He's royalty. He's got on the finest clothes. Doesn't care. He doesn't have a change of clothes. Well, maybe in his back, but he's, he doesn't have baptism clothes like we have. No, it's like, you're going you're gonna to get dunked in the Versace's? He said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And then he ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Some of you are traveling at such a high speed. It's so even hard for you to hear a next step from Jesus. It may not be baptism, but I believe the word of the Lord today is stop the carriage. That whatever that is that God is calling to you, I just don't know if I have enough time. Stop the carriage. I'm pretty busy. This guy was over the treasury. When you're over people's money, it's busy especially over, you know, an entire country and region. But he found the time to travel a thousand miles. You don't think the queen was like, hurry up, bro. We got, we got business to take care of. Stop the chariot. But, but you don't understand. Like I just, I, I got so much to, I got to get things together before. No, can you just stop the chariot? I really got to think and contemplate about, no, no, you know what God is speaking to you. Just stop the chariot. When it comes to baptism, I'm just not even sure. Like, I don't want to mess up my hair and look like an idiot in front of all those people. I don't want to get in the water. I don't want to. Just stop the chariot. He's not an option. If he is, then you need to look at the cross again and look at it and look at it until you fall in love with the Savior. Because he's not going to force you into the water. He's not an option. He's our love. It says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again. But look what he did. He went on his way rejoicing. I came empty. I'm going home filled. All because of the Savior. Just the next step. The simple stop of a carriage. Some of you guys won't stop the carriage because you need to look at the cross again. And that's fine. Just look at it again. Because I promise this, if you don't understand that he denied himself for you, you'll never deny yourself and follow him. 
Like you gotta first let that penetrate you to the core because it takes away all the embarrassment when you realize the humiliation and all that Jesus went through so that we could have life, so that we could leave rejoicing. Like, man, show me the water, show me the next step, show me the forgiveness. Show me the moment, God. That's what motivates you, not like, hey guys, it's the, the next step, you better get baptized. It's kind of, I mean, he did save you. You should get baptized. That wasn't the eunuch's heart. And that should never be our heart. It's like, hey, where's the water? There's some. Stop the carriage. Let me give you just a couple things in closing. Baptism, what, it's, what it is and what it's not. Baptism is a public declaration of salvation. Jesus identified with John. To say, I'm I'm identifying with what John is saying. And in baptism, we are identifying with what Christ has done. We are identifying with him in his death and his resurrection, that I've been buried with him and I'm coming out uh, ruling and reigning, will one day be resurrected even though I die, I'm going to live. And that's what, if you missed the Easter message, you got to go back and listen to let the resurrection frame everything. I'm going to live a brand new life. And on this planet, I get to live for his name. I get to live for his glory, not out of convenience, but out of a deep, loving conviction. But I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm letting the world know, just in case you were wondering, what a testimony. Second thing, it's a personal declaration of salvation. We don't baptize infants here because as we see in Acts chapter two, you believe and then are baptized. And so if you were baptized as a child, maybe you're baptized Catholic, can I just tell you your parents meant extremely well. But can I also tell you that that was meant more for them than it was for you. And and now following Jesus, as a follower of Jesus now, putting your faith in Christ is not a slap in the face to that. It's a fulfillment of everything they all had always hoped. It might not have been explained to them like that. But no, they, they meant that we're doing baby dedications today. We do dedications. Who's that more for? It's more for the parents. Not really, you know, we're praying over the, the child for sure, but we're entrusting the parents that you're going to raise up these ch- children in the way that they should go. Are you guys tracking with me? John's baptism was a precursor. When you personally believe in Jesus and are changed by him personally, we declare that publicly, displaying it to the world. But it's personal. It's you believe and are baptized. And then lastly is this, is that baptism is not a condition for salvation. It's evidence of salvation. And this is huge. People always ask me, I got this question not too long ago. Hey, what do you think about, you know, you need to be baptized in order to be saved? Well, I'm like, what about the thief on the cross? He didn't have time to be baptized. He's on the cross hanging there, puts his faith in Christ. And what does Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me. Baptism is not a condition for salvation. It's evidence of what God has already done on the inside of your heart. Your life is already transformed and changed. That's why you're letting the world know, like, hey, I just want you to know I can't be bought anymore. Like those idols that I used to go after, I'm not chasing those anymore. See, see, Jackie and I, we're going to celebrate 17 years of marriage this year. Awesome. Every time I say that, I feel like a comedian because everybody claps. They're like, yeah, celebrate 17 years of marriage. Woo! 
And so you should clap. I think it's great. But it just feels like a comedy set or something. But it's true. 17 years of marriage. And I wear this, this ring on my finger. Now, this ring is a symbol. It, it's a symbol. It doesn't make me married. It's a symbol of what's, what has already taken place. It's a powerful declaration to every man and woman that I belong to somebody and somebody belongs to me. So it's like, guys, get your eyes off my wife. Ladies, stand back. <laughs> Something sacred has happened. And I've identified my life with the woman of my dreams. Facts. And, and it's, it's, it's a powerful symbol. It, it, it paints a picture so much more than a ritual. It, it bears extreme significance that I belong to another. So what am I saying? I'm saying that baptism was never meant to be this, you know, meaningless ritual, a watered-down ritual, but a powerful declaration, a powerful symbol that you have been bought with a price. I want to let my family, the world, I want to let everybody know that Jesus is no longer an option in my life. He is the love of my life. And I cannot be bought, I cannot be swayed by another lover. I've been found by the love of my life. And in him I live. So you're saying, well, what, what's next? I feel like a little bit of pressure. Especially if you haven't got baptized, you probably feel a lot of pressure. Can I just tell you, I don't get points for you getting baptized. I don't want something from you, I want something for you. The stakes are high. I don't know what's on the other side of that step of obedience. But maybe it's not just baptism today, maybe it's something else. I don't get points for you obeying. No, I'm concerned for you. The stakes are high. And what's on the other side of your yes to him, man, who knows? You say, well, Pastor Matt, you know, God could, you know, God could have used somebody else for this church. Absolutely, but I would have missed out. Jackie would have missed out. If we would have said no, sure, God, God would move right along and use somebody else. I don't want you to miss out on all that God has for you. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray, God, that you would stir hearts today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to call some of you to, to a response today. That if you have given your life to Jesus and have not been water baptized, will you sign up today? We have, you have a whole month to prepare. I was going to give you a week, but I'm like, I'll give you a whole month to prepare for that. And you, we'll, we'll walk you through. We'll help you to understand everything in greater detail. We'll, we'll walk you through the whole step, every step of the process. Listen, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you know somebody that's given their life to Jesus and they need to get baptized, can you encourage them? You say, why are you talking about baptism? Because we never talk about it. It may not meet this immediate felt need for our lives in the moment, but is it a step of obedience that Jesus calls us to? And I don't know what's on the other side of that, but I know it's amazing. So I want to encourage you to, to take that step today. Sign up at our, at our blue tent. You can sign up online. We'll follow up with you super easy. But whatever step it is you need to take today, make the decision before you leave here. Father, seal this word in our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you again for tuning in to The Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. 
You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.